you doing, ma'am? Not you too, Bob. Oh. It's like 18,000 people missing, and he's like, no, Bob. Oh, Bob, you mean so much to me. Bob, I, know, I can pick you out by name, despite the fact that you're a child's drawing. Oh, Bob. Wait, who who is it? It's a it's an actual newscaster that, that, that is the voice of that person, isn't it? Um, I'm not entirely sure. So maybe maybe they were in a romantic relationship. I mean, that's a lot of behind the scenes plot building that we're doing. Uh, listen, so you're you're peeling back the curtain and and drawing on the chalkboard. Listen, if Matthew Graham isn't going to do it, I will. I mean, <laughs> some clear sexual tension going on that I, that needs to be addressed between yes between uh, someone unnamed, and a drawing unnamed newscaster and Bob. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's... But anyway, to resolve this obscure sexual tension in this one episode of yeah. season two of Doctor Who. Definitely. That's what need fixing with Doctor Who. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, what are we talking about today, Chuck? Uh, we're talking about uh, Doctor Who season two, episode 12, uh, Fear Her. And it was uh, written by Matthew Graham. Um, and it was directed by Eurus Lynn. And is starring uh, David Tennant, Billy Piper, Na- uh, Nina Sasanya. Uh, Abisola Ag- Agbaj, sorry about the pronunciation, um, Edna Dove, Dove? and uh, Abdul Salus. Indeed, Arini. Um, for some reason, I had it in my head that you now read out a review from a critic. <laughs> sorry, we're, we're back from the break, and for some reason, I was just like, yeah, Danny now reads out a review from a critic. That's the next step, right? Have <laughs> uh, you got yes. an opening statement, Cocker? According to um, the Guardian, uh, the sexual tension is very much there between <laughs> between Bob. <and laughs> According to Peter O'Toole from Ratatouille. Yeah, um, I'll I'll, yeah, um, I'll ask you how the break was on Sunday, right? Okay, okay, that, got, that's what we'll talk about then. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot to cover. Um, <laughs> Do we? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> a cheap episode. With some really interesting concepts, but sadly it falls flat in the execution. It's just a, it's just disappointing. Yeah, um, a nice enough episode. It has heart and a straightforward story. There's there's nothing too intense. I I, I think it's um, it's it's one of the great sort of tragic episodes of Doctor Who, in which it's just not very not as fleshed out as it could be. No. It's a two D episode when it could be a nice three D episode. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Well, there we go. Huh? Um, <laughs> have you got any CRQs, Chuck? Um, it's a small thing, but I really like how at the beginning the TARDIS is parked in the wrong place, and the Doctor has to change <laughs> yeah. it. Let I really like that because like, you see, let the TARDIS parked perfectly everywhere else, but let mm, he's got mm. to make a mistake sometimes, and he's like, oh shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I like that. I do. Um, um plus. I mean, in fact, no, yeah, the TARDIS is sentient, so it kind of would pick out a parking spot. But then, was the, did the TARDIS do that just to fuck with him? Was it just like, yeah. you know what, Doctor? Fuck you. This is just what we're doing today. Maybe it's a warning. Yeah, you're going to get snatched up in a in a child's drawing soon, <laughs> in about 45 minutes, so... um, So let's get out of here. Uh, I don't know. Oh, God. Um, it's like every episode of um, Family Guy or American Dad where it's like, oh no, you've been unconscious for exactly 21 and a half minutes. <laughs> um, 
I approve of the cat in this episode. That cat has the Lewis Brindley seal of approval. Um, so if that cat is out there um, in its trailer, wondering what Lewis Brindley thinks about its acting performance, yeah. uh, you can you can you can feel relaxed, comfortable, and confident, yeah. um, knowing that I am uh, pro the performance abilities of that cat. Yeah, he likes cats. He could have just said that, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I do like cats. This is true. Yeah. Um, okay, the right. Here's something that I think is good about the episode, although it's not original to the episode. Um, the bond between children and spooky stuff. It's, um, I think there are a few horror writers or filmmakers or whatever that, that can do it very, very well, and that, I think that's where the trope sort of originated. And from there, it sort of just kept going. Um, yeah. There's this really great interview with Stephen King where he talks about how, um, like, um, the reason he uses children as sort of a, a gateway between the sort of natural and supernatural in his books is because uh, children have such vivid imaginations. Mm. And he talks about how, like, um, he loves the idea of children imagining a, a, a spaceship in the world, and then it just so happens that the aliens they are imagining are actually aliens in real life. Yeah, and. Um, that's I, I I like that trope because it, it it kind of makes sense in a funny way. Um, but yeah, it happens in this this episode, and that's good, I suppose. It, it certainly does. And let's not forget, children are just horrifying inherently. So um, <laughs> does that? Uh... <laughs> are they? Are children inherently horrifying? Oh yeah, they're born. Uh... They're boring. No, they're born. And then, oh, they're born. Okay. And then th- their entire goal is to supplant you, and surpass <laughs> you, and become better than what you are. Like, like, that's horrifying. There's some very interesting politics going on in in the uh, household <laughs> <laughs> between you and your younger brother. <laughs> I think we're going to get a terrifying glimpse into the world of of internal politics. Oh um, yeah. Kids um, are just kind of crazy. Like, like they just say stuff with no filter. Like, um. An eight-year-old will insult you, but they will be devastatingly accurate with it. Like they will, oh, yeah. they will pick out something about your appearance, and you'll be there thinking for days afterwards. Oh my god, nobody else has ever commented on my chin. Do I have to really like? Is, is this something I should be concerned about? Yeah, there's a brutal sort of honesty with with children. Yeah, that 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 you know that lacks the tact of like an adult, which makes it all the more horrifying. I've. Mm. I've never felt so out of my depth and been surrounded by children insulting me, like, and that like because my my brother has like pals and all that, and they come over and then they start annoying me. <laughs> Stands in a circle and, and insult you. No, they just like shout up to my room from downstairs and stuff like that. Right. Um, uh, you know the usual. You know. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I no, I, I would I, like I, to. I I don't have a brother. I would like to know what the usual is. Well, you know, like, um, uh, you know, the, the shouts to, oh, you were on Four O'Clock Club and all that, and it's like, oh, you've passed your heyday and all that, and like, they don't oh, actually right. say you've passed your heyday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your brother's 50-year-old mates. They just sort of say, have you quit acting? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> no. no. Technically, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um... And then I have to, you know, take out the machete and warn them if they continue. <laughs> I'm 
much got this image of you with that uh, that baseball bat that Negan had in The Walking Dead. This is just a like seal. A... Yeah, exactly. You just stick your head around the door and they're just like, oh my god, oh my god. I thought it was good-natured fun, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but see, the thing is about kids is that when you're an adult, you have so much to worry about. So mm. if you're like a parent, your child can devote 100% of its energy to just attacking you in order to get what what, what it wants. Like if, oh, I want a packet of crisps before my dinner. It's like, the child doesn't have to worry about taxes and all that. It can it can focus its entire attention on getting a packet of crisps. So eventually you just, you'll either just give in and you'll just, oh yeah, okay, fine, here you go. Just to get it over with. That's like, that's a, a certain amount of power that's rather terrifying in my opinion just not having any responsibility you know um i do know what you mean although i think i think um i mean i haven't met many children because i was the youngest one in my family Mm. so the only children i have met are like uh nieces and nephews and cousins on on my wife's side of the family Mm. and they're all quite like chilled out and quite nice the most intense i've ever seen um them was one Christmas, one of them got a Nintendo Switch, and they were all playing, um, I don't know, some kind of game on the Switch and being very intense about it. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, they're pretty chilled out. I, I don't think... Uh, as much as they don't have to worry about taxes, I don't think they even are aware of taxes. I don't think yeah. they care. So, I don't know. Maybe it's a children-to-children specific thing. I have no idea. It probably is. Um, but let's talk about the episode. Yes. <laughs> I, do, I do have to say, this episode is better than I remember it being. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it has it has some lovely concepts. Like I like the the concept of the the eye solace. I like it when when aliens and Doctor Who aren't just you know bad, and they want to <laughs> yeah. conquer stuff. It's like mm. no, this is an actual character with motivations, mm. which is quite good. Um, yeah, and it's quite nicely. Um, well, it's sort of weirdly nice that when an alien isn't just a bloke in a suit. Do you know what I mean? It's it's um yeah. Yeah. Like, it was explained away in Star Trek by saying, oh, no, all the aliens are of the same evolutionary tree, so they all look kind of similar. <laughs> um, but I quite like it when there's an alien that is, like, just a bit weird. Like, um, oh, no, this alien is just a pile of goo. <laughs> That's just, yeah. just... Everybody is just like, oh, yeah, this is the pile of goo species. Okay. Yep. Just... I, I really like aliens that are just completely f- as far away from humanoid as mm, possible. Mm. Um, but... Um, some of the stuff I didn't like is that it's a very sort of child centric episode. Uh-huh. I think it was like um intended to be a bit more sort of light hearted. And that's mm. fine. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But when you've got like serious topics like domestic abuse in it, like in the subtext, mm. it's mm. like that's a pretty serious subject to sort of you know to bring up to kids. Mm. Yeah, and I think they could have they could have explored that a bit more. Um, if they if they really wanted to to do something with it, I didn't think it had much nuance to it. Mm, but that mm. might just be me. Um, no, no, I I do completely understand what you mean. It's um, yeah, I think in 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 these days, I think well, I think always who has struggled with like sort of find, striking a balance between being the kids' show that it was sort of intended to be, and also being good for grown ups too. Like um. Mm. The only people I can think of that successfully hit this bar every single time is Ardman, 
like every Aardman movie is on the surface of it a kids film and then you sort of dig a little deeper and you, you're very happily you would I I mean I have watched them many many times it's the yeah. kind of thing that I think you'd be happy to watch with kids um but yeah an episode of this where like oh no the doctor's making a joke about about how Rose says oh hello gorgeous boy and it's like oh it's me oh no it's a cat um and yeah. then oh the doctor doesn't understand social subtext so he sticks his finger in a jar of jam um yeah, sort of weird, trashy jokes like that don't quite fit in with the with with serious topics like domestic abuse. You're right. Yeah, I just think that that should be the focus of the episode. You know, mm. um, to give it a chance to sort of breathe and look, flesh itself out. I do like the sort of theme of like, parents not communicating with their children. Mm. So mm. that's a big sort of theme, and that's the whole reason that the Isolus is like, you know, with Chloe because her and her mum can't seem to let talk about the thing that, that happened to them, which was... I like that. That's quite good, and how they sort of overcome that. Um, yeah, yeah. But I just... It was... It was... It's... it's it was the same as... um. I, I, like, you know Boomtown last season? Uh, yes. There were... That there was an original script for that that was like changed last minute to make okay. for like a cheaper alternative, and then I think they did the same with this one. Like, oh, okay. There was apparently there was originally a script written by Stephen Fry that they wow. were going to use for this. Right. Was... I say wow. I, I've never I've never watched anything he's written. But yeah, neither have <laughs> I. But, um... Yeah, theoretically that'd be good, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> apparently, but it was too expensive, so they had to like just come up with something and like oh. you know it's a, it's it is a very sort of cheap story i would have liked to have seen the isolus like the actual family rather than mm, just like mm. one little sort of cgi flower that would have been nice to see but yeah budget cuts eh? um <laughs> yeah it's um yeah budget cuts come in the most surprising of places like um even in like incredibly successful franchises like the whole reason they teleport all the time in star trek or sorry they transport all the time in star trek is yep. um because they didn't have the special effects budget to have little shuttles going back and forth on yeah, on, exactly. on screen so it's like little bits of things like that it's like in a way the, the tardis not flying around is kind of <laughs> kind of a, a saving grace for the bbc's wallet uh, yeah. but on the same level maybe i mean i should see that once in a while yeah um um, I I do think that um, domestic Doctor Who is kind of great. Like um, I, I love space, but every now and then a sort of a very it's in a house and it's sort of a relatable story and it's it's well, well you know what I mean. It's not out out and out relatable to everybody, but it's everybody knows a terraced street. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's I think an out and out domestic Who is is quite nice every now and then. It feels a bit like the Idiot's Lantern again. This episode it does, yeah. Like it's very sort of local, very sort of um. There's a mystery on the street and all that, and like people aren't yeah. talking. Um, I really don't understand why like the parents, the other parents are like, in it. Like you could have devoted like the amount of time that you spent arguing with them to the relationship between um Trish and Chloe, which is like the yeah. se- the yeah. central sort of thing of the episode. So why we're talking about, you know, I don't believe in evil. I look at the tarmacker he's probably kidnapped the kids even though they disappeared right in front of my eyes it's like it's kind of 
Mm. You need to pick one or the other. Is it a sort of small community going into hysteria, or is it like a a really emotional story between a mother and her daughter? I think you need to sort of pick one. You know. No, I I, I completely understand. I think you're right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Pick a pick a track and stick to it. Otherwise, I think you can do too much in a story. I think. Yeah. Um, that's the problem with a lot of Doctor Who episodes, especially in later seasons, is that there's just too much going on. Pick a track yeah. and stick with it. Do you know what I mean? And I think um, I don't think this is like a symptom of the problem. I think this is just a standalone case sort of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, pick something and go with it. I re- I really like Kel, the the tarmacker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the council. <laughs> yeah. You took a council X for. Oh, what a guy. Yeah, I, 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 a, I do appreciate that. You know, sometimes you get like really good casting mm. for, for Doctor Who. Like just supporting characters really make the episode sometimes. And oh, like God, yeah. Characters like Kel really, really do it. Mm. Um, Even, dare I say, uh, Frank Skinner in Mummy on the Orient Express. He really made that episode, I think. Frank Skinner? Yeah. Uh, the comedian from Birmingham. Oh, yeah. He played. He 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 had that uh, old timey cap on. I can't remember what he did in that episode. He was like the trains engineer. Um, oh. And it was like, oh, because he'd been looking into it already. So he had like schematics of the train and stuff. So it was all like, oh, is the doctor gonna believe that Frank Skinner is um just happens to have been looking into this, or has Frank Skinner been killing everyone? And then that was very quickly abandoned to be like, yeah. oh, no, I think Frank Skinner's just here. Yeah. Is it the guy? But yeah, from he sort of made the episode. The guy from who, who does Room One Hundred and One. Yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, that. Yeah, I thought that's who you were saying. Mm. No, yeah, he does. Um, I I really like his comedy. It's um, he he went on on Travel Man, I think. Have you ever watched Travel Man with Richard Iwadi? Uh, no, I haven't. Sadly. Mm. Oh, it's it's good. Yeah, it's um, he, like he he travels to uh to um does like a forty eight hour stay in another country. And at first, the idea of the show was that it would be like a informative travel program. It's like, oh, if you've only got 48 hours in Croatia, what should you go and see? What historical sites, what museums, what this, what that sort of thing. Yeah. But very quickly, they realized that the gem of the show wasn't in what it can teach you. It was in sort of the hilarity of whatever guest performers they had on. Yeah. So um, they had like Johnny Vegas did an episode um, where they went. I forget where it was. They went with Johnny Vegas. Catherine Ryan was on. Mm. Um Loads and loads of people have been on it, and it's just re- it just leads to some really funny things. Like, um, what's his face was in it as well? Paul Rudd, of all people. Was he? Um, and it became a bit of a thing while it was airing, that like if you had something you wanted to promote, you'd go on Travel Man. Um, and yeah, I, I I mean, it's it's something I can pour hours of time into, watching old episodes on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. I'll need to check that out now. Mm. Paul Rudd was on it? Yeah. John, they went to um, Johnny a Vegas, King in something or other. Paul Rudd. <laughs> like, those two names don't really. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. They don't sit next to each other very well, do they? But yeah, loads no. and loads of people have been on it. That's pretty cool. I'm gonna. I'm gonna check that out. Um, mm. I think I'm. I think I might be out of notes for this episode. Me too. Uh, which is, I'm not entirely sure how that's happened, but I think that the actual void this week is going to be particularly large. So maybe it would make sense to have yeah. a bit of a shorter whisper. Yeah, um, I'll say this as my closing statement. Um, mm-hmm. some nice concepts. Uh, but 
again concerned with money and it they needed a cheap episode to sort of you know just to fill it in um i want to see the stephen fry episode because uh, that would have been pretty cool but we mm, probably mm. will never ever see that so I'll, yeah, I'll leave which is it sort of a great tragedy. Yeah, I'll leave it to Big Finish to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Big Finish have been like hoovering up after the BBC's abandoned project for oh, so yeah. long now. It's incredible. Do you remember Derek Jacobi when he played the master? Yeah. And that he was just really good and as that mm, role. Mm. He played him for 5 minutes and then John Sim <clears throat> took over. John Sim's great, but like Derek Jacobi's like amazing. So Big oh. Finish, what did they do? They release fucking audios with Derek Jacobi as the master, obviously. Ah, oh, good old big finish. Yep, you know, <laughs> fixing the BBC's mistakes since nineteen sixty. I don't know. I don't know when they started. Um. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, for my closing statement, um, a simple story with a lot of cool ideas that could have done with fleshing out a bit more. Um, is it the fault of anybody in particular? Probably the BBC. Let's be completely honest. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I think that is my opening. My closing statement. Fuck. Oh my god, it was my opening statement. We've got to do the whole episode again. Yeah, we're only we're only saying that because we're no longer employed by them. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, should we do uh, some cheeky capitalist shilling? Yeah, let's capitalist the chill. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of some kind of pun or, or, or play on words that I could do with the word shilling, but I, I couldn't. Get started, and I'll think of one. Poetry. Um, poetry. Um, yep. Uh, we the, the podcast and Lewis and myself have link trees. Uh, Lewis's is uh, linktr.ee uh, slash Lewis underscore Brindley. Mine's is slash O'Hiram, and the podcast's is slash shouting into the void altogether. No caps or spaces. Uh, yeah, so check us out. There's our Patreon. No, wait, no, no, sharp. Fuck off. Um, there's our YouTube, our uh, <laughs> our social media, our Facebook, and all that. Woo! So go, go check that out. Um, <laughs> oh god, that's really surreal to go from like, oh my god, shut up, fuck off, shut up. <laughs> I was so, I was so, I was so intent on getting that right, and I fucked it up. Um, welcome back. Um, we also, we also. If there was a particularly clumsy cut there. It's because Danny was just oh furious, yeah, utter blood boiling rage. He started swearing. It was a whole thing. Yep. I'll leave it to Lewis whether we're keeping that in or not. Um, but we're keeping that in, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, we also have a PayPal donate button, so anything you can spare, anything at all, would be greatly um, appreciated. Uh, we also have Patreon, and we take the opportunity every week to thank our wonderful patrons. Uh, Chloe. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. Sophie. Thank you. Peter. Thank you. Aditya. Thank you. Richard. Thank you. Natalie. Thank you. And Dougie. Thank you. Hey, we did them all. Get us. Yes, you make this show possible and we couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much, as always. Yeah. You you help us pay the bills. You help us do all sorts of different things. So thank you very much for keeping the lights on at Void Towers. <laughs> yep, definitely. Um, mm. We also have merch uh, on Teespring and Redbubble. We sell loads of stuff. So go over, check, check that out. Uh, tote bags, jumpers mugs all sorts of tacky oh, shit yeah. um so yeah 
we also, also have... I, as a brief, oh, oh. In, a brief hop in about the merch, um, I have recently realised that the jumpers go up to like 5XL. So um, if you want anything incredibly cosy, I would recommend getting one of these insanely large jumpers. Um, because we bought an insanely large jumper and it's stupendous. So get one. <laughs> Quite right. I, I bought one and it was the... It was the medium, I think it was, and it's and it's actually still quite big on me. Oh, lovely! So, yeah, it's nice. Um, <laughs> that sorry, that reminds me of um, something my history teacher used to do. He um he used to say um because he was like quite a quite a big guy um and he sort of started like a weight loss thing that he would do mm-hmm. quite regularly, and he'd talk to us about it quite often. And um, he would do this thing where he'd stand at the front of the class and just be like, I'm so thin now. Look at me. I'm so thin. And he would like, he stood facing us. And then he'd turn to the side and be like, look, I've gone. I'm 2D. <laughs> look, I've <I'm> gone. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that sprung to mind. Just what he said about, oh, it's a medium and it's quite big. It's quite big. <laughs> that reminds, oh, anyway, that um, reminds me of a joke from Fleabag where it's like, um, these two people are sitting in this cafe and it's like, I don't have to define myself by my body because I've got such a great fucking body now. Uh, <laughs> and last but certainly not least we are partnered with another amazing company called number 12 crochet avenue and lewis is going to say some wonderful things about them all of which are true indeed i am number 12 crochet avenue is a company run by my amazing wife in which she crochets and she's incredibly good at it so good in fact i am now a crochet protege uh which Ooh. rhymes delightfully um i've knitted half a small bag so that's exciting um yeah um but yeah if you'd like to keep up to date with all the assorted developments in the crochet world um you can go and check out her instagram at number 12 crochet and you give her a cheeky follow and a like and a all that sort of good stuff you know what to do um okay yeah that's that's that go and go and give her a follow at number 12 crochet avenue definitely well um that was fear her uh, Indeed, it was. Yeah, and as the as the episode sort of indicated, rather sort of like a log in the eye, storms approaching. Mm. So, um, oh, <laughs> oh French, French. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're coming to the end of season two now. We are. Jesus Christ! So it's 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 two crazy episodes uh next so we'll we'll be sure to do them in the next six months and um that should be that should be fun um but yeah so tune in then and we will see you hear you smell you um uh scrap an episode written by stephen fry um next week yes thank you very much for listening goodbye goodbye